0: We waste our life a little bit at a time. Listen to this poem. I'm just gonna read you the first line right now that I heard in a book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. It's it's powerful. This quote just came in here that he wrote, that not he wrote, but that he got from someone I'm gonna tell you about in a little bit. And this is how it goes. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're gonna be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are gonna encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Hey, everyone, good to see you tonight. I want you to tell the person next to you, good to see you. Make sure everyone gets a good to see you. Come on now, I see some people around here who are getting good to see yous. There we go, there we go. I like that. Last weekend was pretty amazing for us as a community. Um, Easter was awesome. I mean, the worship, the experience here, but also... Seeing Lucy, Jessica, Yoli, Rodolfo, and who else we're missing? One more. And Sarah. Friends, we had five people get baptized last weekend. And you know, the thing is, What I love about what happened last weekend was young adults saw the call of God in their lives and responded. It's amazing when someone responds on time for an important thing. But could I tell you that it's possible also you might respond on time but still be too late? Because it's never too late to make a decision to follow Jesus with all your life you might be 20, you might be 17, you might be 85. It's the right time to make a decision to recommit your life to Jesus. But could it also be that it might be too late? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Some time ago, I'm telling you a true story. A pastor in our area baptized five people, just like we did last weekend. And Back in the day when he was baptizing these people, they would get baptized, he would preach a sermon, then they would all come back out and they would be presented to the congregation and they would talk about them say hey this is who they are and this is what they're going to do and we give them some flowers and a gift well the five people got baptized and one two three four come out and the pastor's kind of anxiously waiting for the fifth person to finally come out maybe it was you know someone that couldn't put their pants on too quick and they fell over or a girl that's trying to dry her hair you know i didn't know what was going on so he's just kind of waiting all of a sudden he's like i need to figure out what's happening he goes over to the first elder and he's like hey listen is this last person coming out? I mean, people are waiting here. And the brother's like, um, pastor, I have to tell you something. They died. (laughs) What? (laughs) They died? (laughs) He was an old man, pastor. You saw him. He barely got in that tank. Sure enough, The brother died, the elder said. They called 911. He was put in the ambulance and taken away while everyone had no idea what was going on in the back. But he got baptized, didn't he? He got baptized, didn't he? It was on time, but might it have been too late? It's never too late to make great decisions, no matter your age. It's never too late to make wise choices, take risks, build a better life for yourself. But it is better to make wise decisions sooner because they set up the foundation you will stand on for the future years that you have to live in this life. Does anyone hear me? I'm going to read this again. It's better to make wise decisions sooner because they set up the foundation you stand on for the future years you still have left to live on this earth. An old man walked into a church. Another true story. And there he was listening to the revival preacher preach his message. He didn't know why he finally ended up listening to his old neighbor say, hey, brother, you need to come to church finally. All right, fine. He gets into the church, and the preacher's preaching. For some reason, this time, as he's listening, his heart is stirred, and sure enough, he responds. The appeal came forward. I know some of you don't like those appeals where, stand up and come forward. (laughs) Those of you introverts are like, heck, no, I ain't coming nowhere. I love Jesus, but I'm not coming forward. Sure enough, he comes forward, and the brother starts sobbing. I mean, his eyes are red. He's crying. Sure enough, a little sister here, a little young person here, and a bunch of people start coming up right around him, and they're all crying. They're making their heart decision to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And sure enough, the pastor's so excited. He's praying. You know, we all get excited when we see people make decisions for Jesus. It's like winning the lottery as a pastor. Yes! But after the final song was over, the old man sat there still sobbing as if there was almost anger and frustration on him as he's crying these tears. The pastor makes his way over to him and he says, "Uh, tell me your name and what's going on? You literally everyone's gone and you're still crying. These are the words he said recorded by the pastor. I wasted it. I wasted my life. I'm now an old man. I could have done so much for Christ. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. One of the biggest things that we have to do is have a revisioned, re-understood relationship with time. A lot of us assume something, that we're going to have a lot of it. There's always tomorrow. I'm still young, you hear from people. You're still a baby. you got so many years ahead of you. Last week I'm at a meeting and, and I tell the pastor that I'm talking to, how old I am, 35, he's 70. He's like, oh, you're so young. But when we hear these words, we assume that there means I will have much more to come. But in reality, time has never been promised to you. Time was actually never promised to you. Jesus actually said something almost opposite in this this strange relationship that you're going to have with time. He said there will be much suffering in your life. But we don't always assume that either. People get in car accidents, you get sick, your family's going through some parents' divorce, you fail out of school. You, the end relationship you thought was heading down the aisle ends up down the aisle where there's some a bottle of alcohol because you're depressed and you're struggling and it's not leading towards what you thought. Life is not what it was promised to you while you're young, right? We have to re-envision our relationship with time. This is the thing that's always told Uh, Now, in the circles of academia that I get to walk into, studying about young adult culture. 26 is the new 16. And 30 is just as good as 20. 40 is pretty close to 30. And 50, well, I'm living my best life. You see, we have extended adolescence into young adulthood. And a lot of people feel as though they can be foolish for a little bit longer. I don't have to worry. I got time. Hey, she's pretty fine. I know she ain't the right one, but she's good. Hey, listen, we can do what we need to right now. I'll make it up later. Listen, there's another test. I'll be all right you know what, let's just spend all the money. We'll make some more. We can make up all kinds of things extending our adolescent behavior without taking the reality that time is not promised to you and Christ has called you to something so much more. Don't waste your life. The verses that you heard here tonight set up The context of where we're going to go. But before I read Paul's word to Timothy, his young adult friend who was in ministry, I want to read to you what Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. There in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. And he said this Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. In the NIV, it says, making the best use of opportunity, but it's supposed to be time. And he says this, because the days are evil, therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. R.C. Sproul, a commentator on the book of Ephesians, he writes this in this passage right here. He says, we're called to be productive Christian people. And in order to be productive, we have to be careful with our use of time. I have as much time in the day as the president of the United States has. And to make the most of every opportunity means to make the most use out of my time. So that when we are doing things, we're being productive, helpful, not destructive, and wasteful. I have struggled. Can I be honest with you? Is it okay the pastor's honest from the upfront? But no, some of you are like, oh no, dude, don't, don't. don't. <laughs> Keep the honesty to yourself. I have struggled in this season with our little kids when I am so exhausted. When I have the moment when they go to bed, I do not want to be writing for my schoolwork that I got to be doing. I just want to Netflix and chill. (laughs) That's all I want to do. I have watched several seasons of shows I'm watching this ridiculous show. Josh and I have talked about it from Canada about horses called Heartland. Some of you are like, oh, I know. I've watched all 15 seasons. It gets good, Pastor. Just wait. I'm on season five right now. There's been others too, okay? Don't be judging me now. But the thing is, I'm being honest, when it comes to how we use our time, there's something that that scholars about time have looked at for those who are busy, and I'm looking at busy people when I look at all of you. You're incredible human beings, amazing people, but there's this revenge mentality that we take to bedtime. I'm not going to bed. Are you kidding me? I got stuff to watch, things to scroll through people to text. Like someone I might be able to hang out with potentially. And after two hours, no, there's no one to hang out with. Let me keep scrolling. (laughs) And we don't know how to deal with the fact that there might be a better thing to use your time with at bedtime. And it's just go to bed. (laughs) Just turn your phone off. Come on. You know that 80% of young adults go to sleep with a blue light and their fingers doing this? Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You know that TikTok is the most looked at website in all of history now. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I had to delete that thing. I had to delete that thing. That thing is addictive. That's like crack on a phone. I've never used crack, but it seemed like a good analogy. I'm just being honest again. I'm being real honest with you all tonight. (laughs) Feeling it, Tad. The average lifespan is 78 right now. I looked it up. Now, listen, if we were to break up the lifespan of a human being in, in years, you will spend 26 of those years asleep. Seven years trying to actually fall asleep. 11 of those years watching TV, Netflix, movies, and shows like Heartland. You'll spend 11 of your years at work. You'll spend five years scrolling the internet and social media. You'll spend four years on your phone. And teens today, it's interesting, listen to this. They send out at least 100 text messages a day. When I saw that, I was like, 100? I'm kind of close to that. It's ministry stuff. I do ministry stuff. Shoot, all the judgmental ones. 1.5 years on the toilet. (laughs) And when it comes to our days, we spend potentially about 11 hours every day utilizing a screen, whether it's for work or just for fun. One scholar said it, America is the first culture amusing itself to death. We waste the only commodity we can never get back. And so we get to the text here. I want you to open it with your phone that you're going to look at a screen or look at this screen. You're going to look at a screen. I'm adding to your 11 hours right now. And look at first those second Timothy four, seven to eight for a moment. Here, Paul tells us how he used his time. And this old man, when he looked at his life, this is what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I kept the faith. And now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, though, everyone else who longed for his appearing. He's in essence saying, I used my life well. When you get to the end of your lives, I want every single one of you to be able to say, God, I used this well. I used it well. I used my time well. I used my relationships well. I used my spirituality, my health, my money, my work Well, and so he continues to speak to his friend Timothy, this young adult who was trying to do something with his life, something of meaning, and he gives him this counsel in in the first book of Timothy, chapter four, verses eleven to sixteen, and he says this to him: Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But instead, set an example to the believers in how you talk, how you love, how you conduct yourself, your faith, your purity. And until I come, devote yourselves to the reading of Scripture, preaching, teaching. And don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone can see your progress. Watch your life And doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He's looking at Timothy and he's like, listen, bro, use your life well. Let other people look at your life and say, man, that's a brother using his life well. That's a sister who knows how to use her time. That's a person who's making an impact in the world around them. But I kid you not, this stinking phone is killing our impact. Our computer screens are killing our impact. I am one to know how to Netflix and chill, I already told you. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do that. But I am saying we have become so addicted to it that that's all we'll do then when we have the free time in the evening. When we have the free time to be alone instead of investing in things that will set us up for the future. A lot of us don't use our time well. So what do you do then if you say, hey, listen, okay, pastor, fine, 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 fine. You've thrown a lot of stuff out there. You've thrown a lot of judgments out there. I'm not okay with that, but I am feeling a little guilty. What do we do if we haven't used our lives well just yet? If you don't feel like you're living into your prime, let's talk about something else besides time you've had a series of just maybe not great relationships. Maybe you've made some poor decisions on where you're going to pursue things academically, and you're in a different realm than you ever thought you would, and you're like, man, it's starting over again. Or you're not in the best spot financially, and you're like, how do I get through the next chapter of my life without making foolish decisions again? There might be some area in your life where you say, I didn't use that well. I want you to think through this. If you continue in that pattern of thinking that, ah, it's fine, it'll be okay. When you look at the span of your life then, you realize you then will be like that old man who said he wasted it. We waste our life a little bit at a time. Listen to this poem. I'm just going to read you the first line right now that I heard in a book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. One of you actually, if you look in front of your chair, there's one of you that might have a copy of the book and the study guide as a gift to you tonight. So look in front of the chair in front of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Underneath. All right. Well, it's under. Like under, under? Like you hit it? Oh, it's just under you. Someone's got it. Someone's got it. Lift it up if you find it. See it. Oh, lift it up. There we go. Nice. Winner, winner. Chicken dinner. Nice. (laughs) On page 12, there's this poem that John Piper, who wrote that book, I want you guys to buy this book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Don't do it right now, though. (laughs) I want you to buy this book. It's, It's... powerful this quote just came in here that he wrote that not he wrote but that he got from someone i'm going to tell you about in a little bit and this is how it goes only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last this poem changed my understanding of time because i realized everything i'm striving for if it doesn't lead to an eternal glory of jesus in this life what is it for Okay, yes, it's to get some job so I can live and survive. Yes, it's maybe to get some community, find a wife and all that. That's good. But if all those things that we have that we strive to do and we're part of, if they don't lead to something eternal, what is it for? So how do you not waste your life? I want to read to you two quotes from John Piper from this book that will help you align your life practically right now, okay? First quote I want to read you. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to hold meaning and make a big difference. But you do need to know a few massively important things and be willing to die for them. There are some things in your life that you have got to know and know so well so profoundly that you're willing to spend your time energy and everything for because it will not only make a difference in your life but the lives of people around you what are two things that have made that difference in my life that I think are so massively important and I might even suggest for you know the true character of God and don't settle for less than that that's why I'm a seventh-day adventist That's why I'm a pastor. That's why I believe in Bible studies and people getting baptized because I believe in the vision of the true character of God and I'm not settling for less than that. He is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. The second thing I've devoted my life to knowing deeply and I'm willing to die for it is to know that my identity is in Jesus and I'm not listening to the lies. When I know my identity is in Christ, I will not settle for less than that. So when people try and judge me because of X, Y, and Z, if people try and say all kinds of things about me, I get back to, I know who I am in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what you think. Second quote Piper said is this. Desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without passion. And I think if you're going to devote your life to a passion, now some people might say, well, hey, I'm passionate about video games. I'm passionate about sneakers. I'm passionate about really nice Kate Spade bags. I'm really passionate. Someone's like, woo-wooing about it. Those are things that, hey, it's okay to be passionate about, but if it consumes all of your time, that you have free, reanalyze what you're spending your life on. There are potentially only 2,000 to 3,000 weeks left in your lives. If you're anywhere here tonight between the age of like 18 to 35, that's about the range. A 40% of that's going to be spent sleeping, so you potentially have only anywhere from maybe 1,000 to 1,600 weeks left of your life, if you're going to live 78 years. Time is not eternal for every one of us in terms of what happens on this life here on earth. But our time is eternal in heaven. And so tonight I want you to make some really important decisions Really important decisions. Two of them, really simply, is this How can you reassess your relationship with time, recognizing that it is short and not long? And how will that make an impact on your daily life? And the second one is this What are the massively important decisions? ideas that you're willing to live your life for and die for. Because what I see is a lot of apathy. I see people that just kind of go along with the flow. You might have a career that you want to do, and great, that's awesome. But then beyond that, outside of these things, we haven't developed things that we're willing to die for. Who's here ready to devote their life to being in an embarrassment for Jesus, not caring if they look like a fool, but they're willing to say, I have a savior, I wanna tell you about him. I'm willing to move across the country. We're gonna see a video in a couple weeks from one of our very own Tevita Palaki. He said, I'm gonna go to Haiti, spend the next few years there just devoting myself to serving in that community. It doesn't matter that I don't have a wife and I didn't have the opportunity to get one here in Loma Linda, God will provide. I'm going as a single guy. He said he found a passion that he loves and he's in it. That's amazing. I want to tell you the full end as I finish here tonight of that poem that I read to you. Only one life twill soon be of past. This came from a guy named C.T. Studd. Talk about a stud. <laughs> this guy, ladies. No gym has got anything on him his bank account was rich in Jesus. (laughs) He was 25 years old when he became a missionary, went to India, Africa, other parts of Asia and China. He got married at 28 in 1888, and he died at the age of 50 in uh, in in Congo, in Africa but he wrote this poem that will last beyond him and his life will tell the story. And I want to end with this and then I'm going to invite Kelly up here. Listen to the entirety of this poem. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave only one life twill soon be passed only what's done for christ will last only one life in a few brief years each of with its burdens hopes and fears each with its clays i must fulfill living for self or in his will only one life twill soon be passed only what's done for christ will last when this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would as victory score, then will I seek to have its way. O oh Lord, help me with joy and say, only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, 'Twas worth it all. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, only one life. And when I'm dying, happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Wow, wow. Tonight we want to do something for the last kind of 10 minutes here. And we want to just spend some time actually talking. We want to talk about this kind of in a Q&A format. There's going to be a mic coming up here just in a moment, and we just want to spend 10 minutes just kind of talking about this subject together. What might be some questions that you might have? As Kelly comes up, we're going to just kind of spend some time talking about one question, but then we want to leave you the opportunity to ask a couple questions. So if there's any question that you have on this idea of time and not wasting your life. Thank
1: you so much for sharing, Phil. This was I feel like really relevant in our community. And um, I have one question yeah. that I thought of. Mm-hmm. What advice would you say to someone who feels like they have had lost opportunities or time due to circumstances or life experiences that are out of their
0: control mm. and that taken away from them? Mm. That's a great question. I think that every single one of us has to live in the context of our history. Every single one of us has a set of family members that we can't change, circumstances that are out of our control, disasters that occur in our life of a death, a car accident, all kinds of things. But really, I believe this when it was said, and it's, hey, 90% of life is actually what you choose to do with the 10% of things that happen to you. I personally know a woman who, when I heard her testimony, I was blown away she was left in the dumpster as a little baby when her mom gave birth to her. Her father was a rapist, and her mom had no desire to raise a little girl that she was raped from. And all her life in her adopted family that found her, because there was someone that ended up finding her, and all her life they tried to speak words of hope into her, but her past and what she was kind of, conceived and ate at her, and yet she got to a point where she realized, I can't sit in my past and let it define my future. And so every single one of us, regardless of our situation, has to understand, hey, there's some things that have happened to us we can't change, but there might be some things that I can still deal with, some choices I can make that will make an impact in my future. I'm not going to let that define me. But I also think about the reality that, hey, sometimes we might have made bad decisions that have got us to that point. Maybe it isn't just some circumstantial thing that happened, but poor decision making. You know, early on in our marriage, we made some poor decisions. I filled out forms wrong in our FAFSA, we lost thousands of dollars. I have more loans than I need. We spent them traveling and stuff, you know. But we made some foolish decisions and there's something that Jesus gives every single one of us and that is this call to repentance and to step up and just continue forward in faithful decision making no matter how much time you have left in your life. So that's something that comes to my mind. Any other questions that you might have tonight? Something that hits you when you think about this subject? We have two mics up here uh, that are left right here. We don't want to leave tonight without just having some form of Kind of community that throws it back at us. This is something we're going to be trying more often. And so some of you are like, "Oh man, we've never done this, Pastor Phil." So. I can actually think of one
1: more. If anyone
0: wants to ask a question. Okay. A question. There we go. I've got a question, sorry. Yeah. Um, what do you say? You touched a lot about passion finding a passion for something. What do you say to those who struggle to find passion in general and mm. like struggle to find feeling, meaning, purpose in something? Mm. Mm. That. Mm. Wow, that's a great question. That's what makes this hard, what we just decided to do. That's a big question, Derek. <laughs> Kelly, you want to answer that one? Yeah, actually, I, good. Good. So does come up in my head. So
1: there was a time in my life when I actually lost passion and fire for something. I originally thought I really wanted to do medicine. That was something I was super passionate about. Mm. And when I didn't get into med school, I was absolutely heartbroken. I didn't know what my direction was anymore. I had no passion for anything. And so I just started a new hobby. I started something just new every single day. I just wanted to try anything. And so my that hobby was sewing. I actually started sewing. I learned off of YouTube. And I started making masks because that was something our community needed. And it was something that was completely out of, like, anything that I knew. I, I never touched a sewing machine in my life. And I ended up just making, like, these really terrible masks like, <laughs> open. And, and then inside, and, like, when you talk, like, the fabric just, like, touched around. mouth.
0: Oh.
1: And then after that, um, one of my friends was like, hey, I really want one of your masks. Like, I just, I just want to, like, have something that you've made. And I was like, sure, I guess I'll make it for you. And then a friend saw that I was making them so she asked me to make it for her wedding and then after that, more friends wanted them and so I opened up an Etsy shop and then I started selling them and then it was a
0: few, a couple, you know, maybe 12 orders and there was 100 and there was 200. Oh gosh. So it
1: kept growing and it was something that originally came out of nothing. Mm. It was something that I just wanted to try and I Mm. thought it would be fun Mm. and it ended up being something that became a passion. Mm. Um, And I don't sew anymore because actually it was really tiring and I don't want to do it anymore. So the passion doesn't have to stay there, but it did give me an opportunity to find something that I was excited about. And from there, I was, I started going back to church. I started doing more things, and that gave me more direction in other ways. Mm. It really opened up in a sense of newness in me, which really helped. Mm.
0: I love that. I love that. I think one of the things that I would say to the, the person who's struggling with passion is, be willing to take small risks, yeah. willing to take small risks. You don't need to move across the country, the globe, the another city, change everything in your life, but be willing to take small risks that will place your life into positions of just something new that might stimulate your mind's way of thinking about stuff. That's one, take small risks. The other one is what just potentially motivates you in any little way? We need to be more reflective about our lives. When you walked by that homeless person, you're like, I don't know what it is, but I want to find a way to get that guy something. I needed. A... when you see some movie and it's like, why is there still hunger in the world? When you see an old person, you know, just struggling in life, why do I feel so drawn to the old people? You know, like, what, what is, so studying your life, your intuitions, your thoughts, that's another one. Last thing I'll just say is prayer. How much are you really praying about it? And then how much are you allowing spiritual influences in your life to speak into your life? Asking people, hey, what do you see I'm gifted in? What do you see that I've just done all my life that just seems to come naturally to me? I wanted to go into medicine, actually. I could have been a pretty good doctor, I think. I think. (laughs) Got a B minus in biology. And a D minus on one of my tests. But, that's it. <laughs> but when I think about my life, what comes naturally to me, what a community spoken to me is, Philip, you seem to just love connecting with people. I know you could be a good doctor. All right, maybe. Maybe mediocre. Okay, maybe not so mediocre. But, but you might just be better at working with people one-to-one. And you love ministry and passions and those. So letting others speak into your life words of hope that might be a passion that they inspire into you. So, that's the last one.
1: Yeah, you're A positive in life though, even if you gotta be honest.
0: Thank you, thank you. Oh, <laughs> that's so good.
1: Also, I feel like this was honestly a term that you wrote directly for me. Mm. I go to bed just like scrolling on my phone every day. <laughs> but I have one more question. Okay.
0: that's awesome. Um, Pastor Ben Lundquist spoke to us three weeks ago at our retreat. If you haven't listened to our podcast sermons, amazing sermons. Uh, They were all about how to lead your life better. And I love what he just encouraged people in. He said, create everyday goals, weekly goals, monthly goals, bi-yearly goals, and an every year goal coming up with some things that will get you to live a life that's more meaningful. And so this is kind of how my day starts with, I'll tell you how I, I find meaning in my life. I start off with plugging my ears with my headphones, and I just let scripture be played. First thing I do every single day, I'm getting through the Bible again this year. And it's probably like my eighth time doing it. And it has been a hard struggle for me. But I tell you what, when I do that, it fills my life with hope. I'm thinking about Christ. I'm thinking about meaning in there. Next thing, I go to exercise. I know some of you are like, wow, that's too early to go to exercise. I go at 6. And I run down the court back and forth a bunch of times playing basketball. I love it. Anyone want to come out with me? Sweet. Okay, I'll see you. Gus, you said you would, bro. Where you been? (laughs) He's coming. He's coming. He's got a lot of good things he's doing. He's working on stuff. Um, But having something that just motivates you, that's so important to do in every part of your day. The other thing is then setting goals of what you want to accomplish in your life. Meaningful goals in two areas, okay? Never eat alone. So many of us will run to our phone when we're eating alone alone. But don't eat alone. Find ways to be intentional to eat with other people in your life. That is a beautiful way to create meaning in your life. It is so, so good. And sometimes the alone doesn't always mean you're fully alone. You might be reading a book or watching something meaningful. But don't let it be the thing you would run to always. Try and create relationships with people. Call people. It's hard to be intentional, but that's really important. The second thing in terms of goals for your day, I would say, are just personal life goals. You should be listening to a podcast on money or leadership or what, just increasing your academic understanding of a subject that's unrelated to your career. Um, I'm reading a book about money right now. I want to understand how to use the money that I have that Elaine and I are making for God's glory and to bless our family and our children beyond us. Like, Think of different goals that you have in your life. So those kind of three things are something that I I do in addition to obviously the work of ministry. But yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's probably the last one we can do with time's running out. But love you guys. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Thank you for listening to this topic. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so, if you go to LLUC.org give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.